0: What's up everyone? Thanks for tuning in to episode 2 of Death's Store. Brunta here with a quick pre-show disclaimer for you. Throughout this episode, John and I frequently refer to the season three Sorcery League and a number of decks as being from uh, season three. Unfortunately, we got some information and some lists switched around, so some of what we're referring to are actually from the Tournament of Champions, which ended Tuesday night this week with a killer game between Mizalem and Ira. Congrats, huge congrats to Ira on nailing the win. Anyway, we stand by our metagame analysis, but we do lose some precision by using Season 3 and the Tournament of Champions interchangeably. Thanks for your understanding with that. We also forgot to mention that Season 4 is going to be a little bit different from any of the 2023 sorcery leagues, namely because of the inclusion of the beta elemental avatars. Those weren't legal during any of the previous seasons, so we're sure they're going to make an appearance in Season 4, and we're excited to see what each of you all have been brewing up for these avatars thanks again for tuning in i'm gonna send you back to the intro music now please enjoy episode two
1: What is up, and welcome to another episode of Death's Door. We are a podcast about Sorcery Contested Realm. My name is John. I'm so happy to have
0: you back. What is good, Bronte? Hey, John. Uh, what is good? I'm going to say Grapple Shot is good.
1: Wow. You know, that's actually true. We've been doing some testing, and Grapple Shot is very good. <laughs> I'm sure all of you, Avatar of Earth, Players know that what is up for me i'm kind of in the middle of a blizzard maybe i don't know i'm chill (laughs) but the rest of my flight path is not i am traveling for work i am in the great state of missouri there's some some snow and my flight may or may not happen but i am so excited to talk to you all about sorcery contested realm I just want to real quick at the top thank everybody for listening. We've kind of blown away. People have been like messaging us on the the Discord and things like that, and subscribing to our Substack, which is deathsdoor I'm just been blown away. People are like, "This is awesome. Thank you so much. We're excited to have this." And I'm like, "Whoa! I didn't know anybody was gonna listen." So thank you guys. <laughs> it's a thank you all. Yeah, same. Yeah, um, but. I don't know, um, I, how was how your week? We, have, uh, we haven't talked since right before the holidays. Not to reveal too much movie magic, but we did record the episode like before Christmas, New Year's, etc.
0: Now they're all going to know our New Year's episode was recorded before the New Year. This is Uh, a disaster.
1: You know, that's the beauty of podcasts. Um, If you didn't know, this isn't live. (laughs) (laughs) We do this ahead of time. (laughs) We do this ahead of time. Yeah. How is the New Year? What are you excited to do in this New Year? when it comes to sorcery
0: contested realm oh man the new year was sweet because i just stayed home and did nothing and <laughs> played games uh like me and my partner got flamecraft uh, the board game for for christmas so we played a lot of flamecraft i got flamecraft did you also get flamecraft not for oh christmas <laughs>
1: but i got it like a month ago a month or two ago at um my local board game place was having a sale and i was like this looks so cool and I actually, I brought it to Thanksgiving with my family and I was like, guys, and they were all like, no, <laughs>
0: So no, I, I know, no.
1: as you know, That's so sad, don't have a whole lot of people. My partner will play board games and stuff, but
0: yeah, no, it was sad. Dude, it is so fun. And uh, you two have to <laughs> play it as soon as possible. Also, just another peek behind the curtain here. Sorry, listeners. John and I live over 2,000 miles away, so (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm going to fly my ass over there so that we can play Flamecraft because this game is good. We also have been playing a little bit of Rivals, which is a Vampire the Masquerade card game. It's not like a trading card game. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but you uh, have vampire gangs and you beat each other up in the streets and vie for control of San Francisco, and it's pretty sweet.
1: That is such a cool... like concept just hearing it for i think the second time you did kind of explain it to me the other day but i didn't get it all at the time this time of year is just always great because it's like hopefully you have some work off and you're playing video games or board games i played a lot of sea of stars which is an awesome like jrpg it came out this year it won best new indie yeah it, it won something awesome and it's essentially like chrono trigger but new. <laughs> they, they take a lot from Chrono Trigger, and I love Chrono Trigger, and all those types of, like, what is it? Turn-based combat, and pixely characters, mm-hmm. and great music, a great story. I have not finished Sea of Stars yet. I'm, like, really close, but then I had to leave for this work trip that I'm on. Anyway, that's been my thing. And the other game I have been playing is Sorcerer Contested Realm, and I have been playing that with you, Bronte, Ooh. and <laughs> we are having a blast and we're brewing some decks tell me bronte what we have in store for everyone who is so excited to play sorcery contested realm
0: we've been jamming some games on tabletop simulator we've been brewing up some some things that are pretty spicy and some things that i think are actually gonna perform pretty well and i'm looking forward to seeing how those work out so what i wanted to talk about today is uh you know looking forward to the sorcery league that's going to be uh, starting up shortly after this episode drops i wanted to talk about just ways to think about a game and in particular like deck strategies and the sort of game agnostic ways to think about playing strategy and winning and in particular i'm thinking you know like in trading card games you have aggro decks you have mid-range you have control and a lot of times you have combo too but these strategies they're not necessarily strictly for for trading card games or for card games in general you know if you are a chess player you know that there's proactive strategies reactive strategies and also prophylactic strategies And these map fairly, uh, fairly closely onto the way that we talk about card game strategy. But yeah, I kind of want to look at what are the strategies just in general when you're playing card games? What do they look like in sorcery? And, um, you know, how does that turn into the concept of archetypes in sorcery contested realm? And then at the end, uh, we're going to do a little bit of talking about that upcoming league and maybe uh, talk a bit about the decks that we're hoping to play.
1: And we have a very special announcement about that league at the end of this podcast. So please stick around.
0: Yeah, stick around. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an exciting one.
1: It's an exciting one. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. So what are those strategies that we're talking about? What what are these strategies of aggro, midrange, control, and combo? Combo's on the list, fellow combo players. Combo is on the list. It's in an interesting spot in sorcery. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, we're
0: going to talk about it.
1: But what does aggro look like in sorcery? Can you just like walk me through what is an aggro deck?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So an aggro deck, just in general, it's a, a deck that is aggressive, that wants to play quickly. And essentially, it's a type of deck that wants to deal as much damage as possible before the opponent has the ability to establish any kind of board state, you know, before they can really fight back. So every type of deck that we're going to talk about relies on some sort of efficiency, but they like evaluate efficiency on different axes. And aggro, in my view, it evaluates efficiency based on the like damage to mana ratio and the damage to card ratio. So the more damage you can deal with one card or the most damage you can deal with the fewest number of cards and the lowest amount of mana That's really what aggro is like trying to do.
1: If you're listening to this podcast, you know, aggro decks, you know, in magic, we've got like burn zoo or white weenies, just either throwing cards right at your opponent's face or trying to attack them with with as many creatures or big cheap creatures as soon as possible. You're just trying to close the game out, right? But how does that actually like play out in sorcery? Because sorcery is a different sort of card game.
0: It's, it's interesting because, you know, coming from magic, the aggro strategy is to be attacking as soon as turn two, because you play a creature or more than one creature on turn one, and then you start just beating face. But that's not as easy to accomplish in sorcery, because you need to make sure that your sights link up with your opponents and you need to be able to attack their sights or attack their avatar directly. I think the way that aggro tends to play out in sorcery is aggressively moving toward your opponent's board as soon as possible so you play your first site then you play directly in front of that for your second site and if the opponent gives you the opportunity 100 you play your third site adjacent to their avatar if possible like if they're playing <laughs> right. in their back row you take advantage of that you play a straight line all the way up to them and then while you're doing that you want to be getting you know like efficient minions out so i think aggro is looking at anything that is too 2 to 4 mana and is, uh, let's say, power positive, we'll call it, which is more power on the minion than its mana cost. And so like you want these power positive minions. You want to be as fast as possible, as explosive as possible. And you're trying to get your opponent playing on the back foot. You're trying to get them in a reactive position where they need to respond to your threats, but they have to do so on their turn. And so hopefully you're getting time to attack before they can do anything. And then aggro also really wants to be dealing with like one-to-one trades and one-for-one removal so it, it holds up really well against like a single berry because if you're spending three mana to bury my you know two mana minion that already did three damage that's a really good card damage mana ratio
1: i want to also just quick caveat i you said from two to four mana i'm my caveat is zero to four I think that is a lot of <laughs> snow leopard erasure. Um, that's a lot of. I'm so sorry. Uh, marauders discard erasure. That's a lot of wild boars erasure. And coming from you, that's really surprising.
0: Well, but- don't spoil my extra <laughs>
1: spicy deck I've brewed up for everybody. We're going to talk about
0: that at the end. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the first person to, ha- to have had the idea, but I'm going to take it to the top.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you are. I'm, I'm so excited. I love that one. That is not something that I think we're seeing right now a lot of there there definitely is there definitely are more aggressive decks but when we break down the decks that are performing well like we're gonna do um in the second half of this episode we
0: don't see super super aggressive strategies yeah i don't think that aggro is really settled as well as some other strategies right now and i think part of that is because of the dynamic gameplay in the realm itself part of it also is you know a lack of really efficient aggro minions not that there aren't good ones right now but with the game only including 400 cards at this point you only have so many options and you need to uh you need to balance playing like the right elements the right minions and you know the right utility sites which is something i think we will come back to a lot throughout the tenure of this podcast but especially in aggro utility sites are huge
1: yeah utility sites are great especially in aggro especially in can i say it okay say it like a four color aggro hmm. deck, uh, like an elementalist strategy.
0: What could that possibly look
1: elementalist like? Elementalist aggro? Who knows what that might look like? Let's talk about a more established, I guess, strategy. I think that mid-range and like control strategies, which are in this game, to me personally, they're a little one in the same. Uh, control likes to kind of take it over the top with Absolute bone crushing, game destroying card efficiency, card advantage. But to me, right now, mid range and control are a lot more fleshed out. Uh, Mid range, if you're not familiar with that concept, is just a deck that you play efficient threats that are like hard to deal with. You play cards that either let you like draw cards or cards that are problematic for your opponent. You are just trying to like outvalue your opponent.
0: Yeah, I think that's the big thing about mid range is you want to have the best value of any of the decks that you're playing against.
1: Right, like you want to play a 4 mana minion that has 5 power. You want to play a 3 mana removal spell that also does something else or has flexibility or your avatar does multiple things. Like Avatar of Earth, which to me is probably the best mid range strategy that we've got, I think. No, it's not even pro I'm retraction. <laughs> <laughs> it is the best mid range. These Avatar of Earth decks are great for someone who's interested in that sort of strategy competitively. Avatar of Earth is letting you sort of work on a different axis than if you want to talk about outvaluing your opponent's avatar. If you're not playing the mirror match likely is outclassed by Avatar of Earth in the sense that they have multiple things to do that will close the game. Avatar of Earth can attack you. You don't need a minion to do it. If you're not playing the mirror or with some of these better avatars, your opponent can't keep up with that. Um, you kind of just like outvalue their strategy.
0: Yeah, the fact that with Avatar of Earth, you don't have to really invest in your avatar to make her just absolutely beat face is incredible. Like you don't have to spend cards to get your avatar up to five power. And, you know, a five power avatar is just better than a five power (laughs) minion in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah, like you are spending, you are advancing the game by playing Sights. And at that same time, you're advancing Avatar of Earth. Like you're not having to advance the game by playing sites and then play like an overpower on your avatar or something john don't don't
0: bring up overpower on this podcast i've told you it's a bad card
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man i don't think i'm gonna talk about that card at the end of this episode (laughs) dear listener i am such a fan of like pet cards and i have so many pet cards overpower is definitely one of them Yeah, but, so, like, Avatar of Earth, we got that locked down with mid-range. I was working with Geomancer early on, and I was, like, trying Earth strategies, and I was like, this is cool, this is cool. And then I saw an Avatar of Earth deck, and I was like, oh, okay. And then after playing with avatar of earth i'm like oh okay (laughs) like avatar of earth is great for mid-range and also control there are control strategies with avatar of earth builds that are more interested in like divine healing more earthquakes and mass removal efficient removal maybe closing out with like a a phalanx or something but I don't believe Avatar of Earth is the best control avatar. Oh,
0: who do you think is the best (laughs) control avatar?
1: I'm going to take the word control out of that question, and I'm just going to say, who do I think is the best avatar? It's Deathspeaker. Deathspeaker is the best avatar. And
0: I I can't disagree with that. (laughs) And why is
1: that, Bronte? Well,
0: okay, the, (laughs) the reason is, so like, aggro... Wants advantage through mana efficiency. Mid range wants advantage through value, and control wants advantage through that pure raw card advantage. And that's exactly what Deathspeaker gives you. Card Ooh. advantage. Baby. I mean, why do we play these games? Is to draw <laughs> cards. Are we maybe control players at heart? Maybe.
1: (laughs) You are. (laughs) Of the two of us, Bronte is on the axis of control and combo. So much so that like Bronte played like mono black control for the longest time. And then played Lotus Field combo (laughs) in
0: Magic. Keep Lotus Field out your mouth. Don't talk about my favorite card that way. (laughs)
1: I, you know, actually, since you stopped playing Pioneer in Magic, I, I, I've i played a couple Pioneer like, tournaments and things like that, but I've seen and
0: loved so many Lotus Field brews, and it's gotten better. It is your fault. You showed me the deck in the first place back when it was first being brewed, and it was just like small streamers. Oh, man.
1: But yeah, I want to default to someone who can talk to the strategy of playing control, and that is my good friend and co-host of Death's Door Podcast, <laughs> Bronte. Tell me about control. Tell me about Deathspeaker. Tell me about how I am O for X <laughs> against you playing Deathspeaker.
0: Uh well, first of all, that's because, uh, spoilers, we'll probably talk about this later, but Death Speaker might just be the best deck, especially the list that we've been playing. Not the list we brewed. We're borrowing Ira's list
1: yes ira who is at the top of season three
0: yeah he's going into the finals now we just saw an announcement for that
1: yeah that death speaker control by ira at ira and if you're active on the Sorcery Discords and the
0: Sorcery League Discord, you know Ira. That list is nuts. Talk about uh, it. Yeah, sh- shout out Ira. That, that list is winning our current prize for hottest deck out there. <laughs> so with Control, Control doesn't care about the early game so much. I mean, there are important things that happen in the early game, but a lot of what Control is doing during that point is building a board state and, you know, just kind of like drawing cards, trying to find the right cards to set up the late game. Control really... Really likes mass removal as another way of gaining card advantage. So, control in sorcery likes cards like you know, earthquake, where if you can kill two or three minions and like burrow someone's philosopher's stone and their onyx core for five mana, you're getting a really good deal. You're breaking, you know, parity on that. You're you're using fewer cards than your opponent is, and that's how you kind of win the game. Um, so control likes actual card draw, and then you kind of want to wait to win the game until your opponent's resources are dwindling and you have have built up like an engine so you know in turns well it, it'll vary game by game but you know in like turns six to eight to ten you're starting to kind of have worn down your opponent and you're starting to build up your momentum and that's when you start to take over the game so things like board wipes things like efficient card draw and then also because uh, control wants to have a lot of mana just sort of as a As a way to make sure they can use all of their cards, they also want mana sinks. So anything that you can just pump mana into for an advantage, control loves. You know, like in magic, you know... Aetherling in like Azoria's control okay. ten years ago. Right. In sorcery, uh well like for Deathspeaker, you're pumping mana into the cards in your cemetery. You're playing that vile imp again.
1: Yeah, I was, I was gonna say, control's about drawing cards and mass removal. Deathspeaker doesn't say any of that. Deathspeaker has nothing D- he's he cares about the graveyard. Death Death Speaker. It's a graveyard boy. How how is this a control deck? Excellent.
0: What question. are you talking about? Excellent question. It turns out that Genesis abilities are just really good. <laughs> if you can pay mana to get a body and an effect, <laughs> that's always as a baseline pretty good. And so in Death Speaker, like I said, you're playing toward the long game. You play your land surveyors, you play your apprentice wizards, you play your vile imps, and then you just throw them in front of every single threat that your opponent uh produces. They're you know whatever attacking with their amazon warriors or with their avatar of earth throw a land surveyor in front of it you don't care because then that land surveyor's in your graveyard you can pay a fairly insignificant amount of mana to get that genesis effect again and drawing a sight without having to tap your avatar huge in Speaker, especially. That
1: is so huge. The more I'm playing this game, the more I'm realizing that like not having to tap your avatar and still getting to do the thing that your avatar taps for, like playing a site or drawing a site card, drawing an extra card or whatever. Having that flexibility is so good. And yeah, I didn't like, I was like, oh yeah, you'd get to draw. But yeah, then you can like move your avatar forward. You can play the site that you drew off your land surveyor and then you get to do it again when you pay that mana with death speaker to get that land surveyor back mm-hmm. and then you play the like it's just so much advantage and like it is card advantage you are using the card multiple times and you are just eking out that that advantage and like like things like grandmaster wizard apprentice wizard come on <laughs> in death speaker like come on it is absurd is it yeah i was
0: gonna say you didn't even say Vile imp yet
1: maybe the best one i i it's situational Vile imp is like a tried and true ride or die mm-hmm death speaker but like grandmaster wizard is like a just ends the game if you can get that engine unlocked oh yeah that and it's conveniently six six mana <laughs> you know that that pivotal point that turning point mm-hmm. of like man i really need they're starting to encroach on me i need a blocker and i've spent all my car I, I played an earthquake last turn and i'm really running out of cards here you can curve like earthquake into grandmaster wizard you're gonna win that game
0: yep (laughs) oh yeah well basically like especially in sorcery card draw is so so scarce and therefore so important so getting to draw three cards off of grandmaster or even just one card off of uh apprentice wizard and then doing it again um it just gives you inevitability that your opponent can't have you're going to start producing threats and value at a rate that they won't be able to keep up with mix that with having two for ones like earthquake and like um atlantean fate in the deck and you just can't keep oh, up
1: Atlantean fate Ira Atlantean fate that is I'm gonna I'm i I'm no I'm gonna talk about it now that is such a good addition to that deck that is such a cool addition in there and it was a cool
0: pivot that he changed and added that for the next season and one more thing I want to say about death speaker control so basically getting that advantage from your cemetery huge but it's even bigger than I think a lot of people are evaluating it specifically because in this game there are no counter spells which are a cornerstone of control decks in so many other games. <laughs> you know, at the very least in in Magic. It's it's huge. It's the way that you play control. I don't know, just having to find make up that advantage elsewhere is a really difficult task that Death Speaker makes a lot more straightforward.
1: I, I think it it wasn't like this is The sign of really good just investment in this game um, from the players from the community interested in brewing and playing with like strategically and competitively like Deathspeaker does not come off as like a control um, control avatar in the first it's like oh people who like graveyard shenanigans or like cards that are good in your hand and also good to like discard from your hand and then it's in the graveyard and then you can replay it or whatever but like that pairing that with these Genesis creatures is so good like you talked earlier about that power um, like damage or power to mana ratio is one of the reasons that like Violent is so good in this deck that you pay two mana it deals two damage and then let's say it gets an attack in it deals four damage and then it blocks something and it dies it blocks a unicorn and it dies then you replay it and it deals two more damage so you've spent four mana and you've dealt six damage you've blocked something you have only played one card that was one card in your hand. It wasn't two cards in your hand to do that. Like, it is just... And, like, Deathspeaker doesn't tap
0: to do that ability. <laughs> that is the most egregious <laughs> part. You're right. <laughs>
1: that That's the most... Like, can we... We talk about these limitations on other avatars and stuff and, like, why Avatar of Earth is so good that she can, like, play these sites, do the thing with sites every avatar can can do. And... But then she can, like, attack. She can... She's big. She doesn't have to like tap to get that buff. It's just inherent to her.
0: Mm-hmm. Any passive ability on an avatar.
1: That's it. Th- you know I talked about one, my my favorite avatar being Wave Shaper for the last episode. I think I'm leaning towards Avatar of
0: Earth a little bit after some of our recent games. Oh, that's it's funny. It's funny you say that because this week, uh, my favorite avatar <laughs> is Wave Shaper. <laughs>
1: Deathspeaker's speaker's ability to just grind out card advantage and it, it just makes it so good for these control decks as the list and honestly like ira's deck is very specifically control even the other decks that call themselves like death speaker mid-range they're they're kind of control like they're yeah ira is like tap out like big control grind you into dust it's turn 30 and now I have started attacking. <laughs> These other death speaker lists are like, okay, it's turn 10, and I'm turning corners, and I'm getting that advantage. And, like, death speaker with, um, I'm gonna butcher his name, the Titan. Oh, Re- Raytanus Re- titan. titan. Ray Raytanus. Mr. Raytanus, the Titan, he is unreal in that deck you played
0: that against me last night and i was like (laughs) oh yeah and i think this is also a a point in favor of a philosopher's stone because that turn i was able to play that titan and then also play i think something like an apprentice wizard and play a fey changeling and bounce the raytanis titan back to my hand to hit you again the next turn yeah you
1: did do that like
0: yeah raytanis is good when you have mana advantage in the form of like philosopher's stone or you're running all of the cores like that list is uh those cards just are elevated
1: yeah but i thought i I mean the cores are bad bronte you can draw them late game and you know it's just a it's just a dead
0: card you don't want a dead card late game yeah i hate when i have They're 11 bad. mana of cards i want to play and then the card i draw on my turn gives me 11 mana it's it really hurts <laughs>
1: <laughs> or like a specific threshold that you've not been able to hit or it's turn one and i've played two cores and <laughs> like i can now play like a five drop on turn two or whatever yeah that's the Yeah, worst. cards are bad don't don't play or like him. a six drop or something yeah yeah definitely don't play the cores and then only play uh me and bronte that would be yeah to... <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> to find out more about how much
0: we hate the cores. make sure you listen to the end of the episode where we have a nice announcement for you john i think it's time we talk about combo and you are our resident degenerate absolute filthy combo player, <laughs> uh, and you also start to rub off on me, so I do hold a grudge in that regard. Uh, tell me a little bit about combo in general, and then let's talk about combo or no combo in sorcery. Yeah,
1: combo in general, um, is tattooed on my heart. I loved, I love combo. Um, I've Play it. Um, I'm definitely a 100% a combo combo player. I played things like Splinter Twin, Birthing Pod. Played like uh, I don't know, like Storm, and I've played like Gorios, and I've played char belcher and beautiful, uh, beautiful. <laughs> like i just like the combo is a strategy where you are essentially trying to put a certain amount of cards together you are trying to get specific cards um either in play or casting or whatever and you instantly win the game or you like put yourself in a position where you've made a giant creature and your opponent can't really like you've done that on turn two or three and it's like i can't deal with that and then i die after like two hits from a giant minion or whatever like um combo is just a plus b equals your opponent dead or like a plus b plus c plus d plus e <laughs> equals your opponent is dead um and it's just trying to you know bend the game you're trying to br- you're trying to kind of break the rules of the game i think throughout most card games history like definitely magic definitely pokemon there have been some I mean, just not good things in that game when it <laughs> Yo, Yu-Gi-Oh that I wasn't even gonna I was like <laughs> do I say Yu-Gi-Oh do we mention Yu-Gi-Oh on this podcast yeah no Yu-Gi-Oh is like it is it's combo the the game mm-hmm. it's <laughs> you read like a novel when you sit down to play and your opponent's turns take 20 minutes and you die in one turn <laughs> um, and by read a novel I mean there's a lot of text on those cards too many for my, my small brain I like a plus b equals dead which is kind of hard to achieve in sorcery that is something that like I came to after like we started playing the game and really early on on a, some of the first brews that i was trying to do were combo decks
0: they were you were sending me a lot of stuff that was trying very hard to combo
1: you know i i looked at things like you play uh plague of frogs and then you play the stepping stones standing stones so your frogs are all spellcasters and then you play a card called a cult ritual where you make two mana for every frog. Spellcaster on a certain site. So then you have seven spellcasters. That's 14 mana. And then you would play uh Craterize and Orb of Baba Baba. <laughs> <laughs> orb of Orb. Orb. I'm just going to say Orb. It's just Orb. You play Orby and Craterize, which is 13, and then your opponent is dead. Or on Death's Door. But that is a certain site and an occult ritual and a plague frog and it's a five mana combo five card combo and one of those cards is a site and how many of those cards are <laughs> uniques uh that's also it's all of them the uh, answer is all none. of them all of them <laughs> oh you said uniques yeah, i was thinking ordinaries yeah they're all uniques right
0: yeah uh well i mean standing oh stones God. i think is not uni- not ending stones. no there's that delete it might be i think it's elite i think it's elite we can well check. i mean orb is unique plague of frogs is unique occult ritual is unique so and that's that's kind of what we found while exploring combo in this game is that combos are possible you can't really build around them in the way that you can in other games though because of the rarity system and i don't think that's a, a bad thing i think it's interesting and i think it means that you have to be creative in your deck building
1: i do not think that that is by accident at all i think that that was very intentional that they put mm-hmm. you know obviously these high powered cards at the top and if you're not super familiar with playing card games and, and things like that like you'd be like well what two mana like seven frogs like yeah like, that's not that good it shouldn't be unique like it's seven zero power creatures but this is a situation where one card turns into seven game objects <laughs> and then those things can be manipulated in certain ways and that's exactly what combo is about combo does not care what the card like is
0: doesn't care what the card actually does yeah
1: it cares it does not care about what the card actually does it cares about what the card can do for it yes Yes. (laughs)
0: you know it's the best way it's
1: like the mafia (laughs) what can you do for me what have you done for me lately that can be slotted in Can it be mana efficient? Can it be closing the game sooner than a normal rate of closing out a game? Um, I'm looking here. You know, they got Frog. Um, I tried to brew some lists playing Mother of Nature and Seer, which is an interesting combo. Okay. It's an interesting synergy. That's... They, I, I I say combo for everything. Some people don't like that. Some pe- like a combo to them is like, it's almost like a recipe, right? It's A plus B equals dead. So Seer plus Mother of Nature does not mean your opponent dies. But they're very synergistic that Seer can, beginning of your turn, you, you know, look at the next spell, put it top or bottom, and then you get to kind of manipulate that. You synergize with Mother Nature, which is where at the start of your turn, reveal the topmost card, summon it Um, if it is a minion. So then you're trying to like force things out like Lord of the Void ultimate horror great old one kraken like grandmaster wizard for free (laughs) draw three cards like Mm -hmm. um, this this is a synergistic kind of a combo to where you're trying to do things at a faster rate than your opponent like you could play a mother nature as as late as turn six and then have a turn seven kraken great old one ultimate horror Lord of the Void, which is just a quicker rate than their actual mana costs, not to include like playing Philosopher's Cores and mixes and things like that to make it happen faster. So that is like a combo per se that I was looking at. Again, it suffers from the, there are a lot of unique spells that go into this. Um, It suffers from the Mother Nature being three power and a six mana creature with three water threshold being three power is, that's, and unique. Mm -hmm. You get one shot with her. Uh, It's just, you know. It's
0: too fragile. It's too hard to assemble.
1: But when it goes off, it's fun. Those are two sort of combos that I'm more interested in. But when it comes to sorcery, I think it was very intentionally designed, at least from the beginning, that we are not just having these like game-breaking combos that like two cards put together at both of them being ordinary or exceptional or a mix would like end the game, right? Or put your opponent in a position that is just like unreasonable and they lose in one or two turns. And that that's great. I think that that is a great thing for a healthy game that you know we're not just in a meta of like two ordinaries jammed together and then everybody loses but it does make me a little sad as a combo player i do see combo in this game as decks like enchantress enchantress is interesting because you are trying to it's like mid-range combo i guess is mid-range like synergistic right that you are playing these efficiently or just like super valuable enchantments, auras, that then can become attackers and do the game. So they get to do, they operate on multiple axes. Normally that would just be an enchantment, but your your enchantress avatar says, oh, what have you, what have you done for me lately? It is turn into a minion and attack (laughs) because it is forcing these things to be things that they initially weren't, you know, it's that same sort of combo philosophy that this is, I don't care what you do. I care what you can do for me.
0: Yeah. And it's a like it's it's a very synergistic deck. It's not exactly combo, but I feel like that's kind of where combo lies at the moment is high synergy. Because not every deck that's good is high synergy necessarily. So some other things that like feel like they're on the verge of combo to me are Pudge grapple shot decks. And I mean, Avatar of Earth mid range feels like it's verging on combo with how quickly it can close out the game when it has a few of the right cards in hand, it can like do some things stabilize and it's like, okay, I'm, I don't want to play anymore. I'm going to <laughs> grapple shot my Pudge hit you with my Pudge. Uh, and then I'm going to attack with avatar of earth and have fun coming back from that
1: exactly it's a one-two punch that the combo of grapple shot plus pudge or grapple shot plus avatar or grapple shot plus big creature it is grapple shot plus an efficient creature to just like close it out and the, the interesting thing about that is like like you said it is not exactly a combo but those cards are exceptional grapple shot is an ordinary that that has some interesting design space and play space that maybe in the next set or maybe a couple sets down the road you can do like pudge plus something and then grapple shot and it's like oh that's scary like you know that is closing it out like maybe there's an avatar out there that says damage from minions is doubled and pudge just becomes a monster (laughs) in that scenario pudge becomes like absolutely terrifying but you know, you have to work within that, that synergy that doesn't exist. And right now combo for sorcery is really just, it's just synergy based, but it's exciting to see that there, there are some people interested in, in combo. There is no A plus B combo. I'm sorry to say for my you know combo heads out there, but we will, we'll get through it together. We'll be here when sorcery devolves into combo nonsense, which it probably just like won't, I think, <laughs> but that's that's a whole separate
0: thing. Doesn't mean we're not
1: gonna try and make it happen. Yeah, you gotta try and break <laughs> break the rules of a game. Um, that's what you gotta do to win. All
0: right. So now that we've like covered the different strategies and deck types, and you know talked a little bit about archetypes, uh, you know, like Avatar of Earth, mid range, Death Speaker control, that type of stuff. Um, what has the metagame looked like recently. What types of these decks are we seeing in season two and in season three deck lists? Yeah,
1: that um the metagame really has shifted from season two to season three. As of recording, we are at the waiting for the finals match of season three for the Sorcery League. But we, you know, we saw in season two a lot of Pathfinder decks and Pathfinder is on an interesting axis that like it is kind of control, kind of mid-range, kind of like combo synergy with utility lands and like or utility sites and like playing sites matter and movement of your avatar like matters. I have warmed up to Pathfinder because I've actually played some Pathfinder decks.
0: Interesting. How are you feeling about Pathfinder? Oh, I feel like we could do a whole episode on on Pathfinder, but uh, (laughs) Pathfinder obvious fan favorite i see so many people talking about pathfinder and in my local meta people just love playing pathfinder and when i first read pathfinder i was like mm, i don't i don't know i don't get it and the unique atlas deck seems like a potentially big restriction and i've noticed it trip up a number of pathfinder players uh but eventually i saw some more pathfinder games i like brewed with it a little bit and <laughs> we we asked each other this question at the same time in text we were both like well, <laughs> Wait, is Pathfinder the best avatar if you want to ramp? Because Pathfinder gives you a sight every turn and you can still draw a spell. That's huge. But I've honestly cooled on Pathfinder a lot since then. I started out not liking Pathfinder. I still don't really like Pathfinder that much. Um, I think that it's easy to disrupt and I think that it introduces an element of randomness that can be hard to overcome in terms of the unique sites. Yeah, overall, I feel like it's mid.
1: I'm still riding that high. I think it's definitely a lot better and more interesting and has that room for deck building than I initially thought about it, so I know you've fallen off, but if anything, like from season 2 to season 3 has been such a reversal of people playing actual pathfinder decks we, i'm looking so the stuff that i'm going to talk about moving forward is like season two top eight and season three top eight we will link it in the sub stack but looking at where pathfinder stands right now um there were a lot more people playing pathfinder in season two and even in the the season two top eight had two pathfinder lists our season three top eight has zero There are no Pathfinder in the top eight for Season 3, and I think that is because of Deathspeaker. You talk about this sort of Pathfinder is easy to disrupt, it's big mana focused, and it can sort of like lose to itself in a way. Deathspeaker wants to eat that up. Where, Where Pathfinder is inconsistent, Deathspeaker is bread and butter consistent you know it is like my cards are good i'll i'll go up against anybody and prove that sort of thing and it just it's gonna out card advantage the pathfinder players so like right now the metagame that we're seeing for sorcery league we have two enchantress two avatar of earth three death speaker and Major shout out, one avatar of fire that goes to Zack Attack. God, this list is so awesome. We want to talk about an aggro deck? This is an aggro deck. It's it's Violymp, Lava Salamancer, Scarabs, Scorpions, colicky dragonettes love that card. And then you've got your you know your firebolts, burn spells, disintegrate, fireball, flanking maneuver, and then avatar of fire in and of itself just is aggressive, right? This is an aggro deck, and this is really interesting sort of innovation that happened in this top eight honestly it it kind of looks like the metagame i don't want to say that the metagame is like solved but some of these decks are getting solved you know we talked about ira's death speaker control list that is like to me peak death speaker control we'll see how the finals play out he's in the top two but like it is so good (laughs) it is so it feels like peak death speaker you know might switch a card or two maybe but spoiler alert i looked at his season two list and then his season three list but there were some changes for sure but not a whole lot and like i don't i don't know you know it just feels very fleshed out and the same thing is happening with like avatar of earth for mid-range that a lot of these lists are looking kind of similar interestingly like we don't have any um we don't have any pathfinder in season three or elementalist it's, it's not solved, is all I'll say. <laughs> um, mid-range and control is there. Mm-hmm. Aggro is still working out some kinks combo is ugh, we've got a long road to climb.
0: And I think it's I think it's worth pointing out with the Enchantress, Avatar of Earth and Death Speaker. Those seem to me like kind of the obvious choices for decks to get solved fairly early in a meta game because their their strategies are fairly self-evident from looking at them. Enchantress, you're going to play auras and you're going to beat face and you're going to do a little bit of control. <laughs> Avatar of Earth, it's, you know, the obvious choice to go with Pudge grapple Mobility and smash. You know, Death Speaker. In addition to just having an extremely strong ability on its own it tells you what cards go in the deck right on the avatar so i expect to see a lot of play happening with other avatars to figure out what the ideal mode of play is
1: exactly yeah and like you know i've been loving this avatar of fire list from zach attack on the discord at zachary on curiosa i'll we'll link the lists in the show notes that go out on the Substack. But, like, you're talking about this play that's happening. This is... It's an aggro deck. It's a fire threshold aggro deck. But it's also doing things that, like... It's doing things that I haven't seen. It's doing, like, Blasted Oak and Blink. And it's doing these things that I have not seen out of other fire decks. We're we're seeing that more innovation is happening with, like, these aggro decks and these synergy combo, etc. Which is very exciting. I think that's going to be cool. With that being said... What are you playing for season four, Bronte? Oh, wow.
0: We're going to out ourselves like this. What am I playing for season four? Well, I think it's worth noting that uh, deck lists aren't set in stone at the beginning of the season. Uh, we've talked a bit with Ira, who's organizing the league, and you, know, you can change decks as you go along. You can bring different decks to different matches. So I have a list of things I'm looking at, and one is kind of the first deck deck that I brewed up and I've been trying to refine, and that's, I'm calling it Kiln House Aggro. It is a earth fire aggro deck, and I talked previously about power positive minions. It basically focuses on that, on getting the most power possible out of my mana as early as possible. So I'm playing things like Boss Troll, Unicorn, Slumbering Giantess, and since I'm in fire, waking up a a Giantess is the easiest thing in the world world you just gotta ping
1: her with a a dragon or a desert or whatever and she's like oh ready to go
0: it's uh, it's easy enough the avatar for this one is sorcerer because i curve out really naturally at four to five and after that point i can just start drawing two cards a turn and if i'm drawing six to nine power of minions a turn that's a that's a lot of power to deal with. The thing that I really like about this deck is that this meta isn't entirely solved and that it's leaning toward mid-range and control. And so my hope is that, or what I set out to do was build something aggressive, something that could get a lot of damage on board quickly to kind of scoot under less efficient, less streamlined decks. In that same respect, as we were hinting at earlier, (laughs) as we spoiled a little bit uh, at the top of the show, uh, I was also doing kind of a thought experiment with Elementalist. And I'm like, what's the fastest way to dump your hand onto the board? And what are the easiest cards to play with Elementalist if you're trying to go turbo mode so what i decided to experiment with was throwing all four of the one mana two power minions into a deck so snow leopard wild boars raw dromedary and uh water buffalo and from there i was like okay i have 12 (laughs) one drop minions 30 percent of my deck can be played by turn two like i can play every single card in my hand and so i was like okay well i'll add like towers and stuff to that so that i can um, play things even faster and then i looked at those minions realized they were all beasts i'm like okay I'll throw in assorted animals too and see what happens and so what i've settled on is uh, an elementalist build that has oh, nothing so over two mana and is basically all minions there's just realized the other day i don't have a single piece of removal Let's in turbo, it so baby. it's all in on <laughs> trying to beat face yeah and i don't know i don't know how it will stand up against uh decks like death speaker or Avatar of Earth, but we've done some testing with it and it has proven more resilient than I expected. So I'm going to give it a shot, see how it feels. Also, I'm going to I'm going to play some Avatar of Earth because I love that deck. I will love the way it plays. I love the cards that it gets to play and it's pretty reliable, pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I too am interested in Avatar of Earth. I am brewing up something pretty similar to Avatar of Earth mid-range right now, but it is way more focused on Pudge Butcher, which is one of my favorite cards. It is Grapple Shot Pudge Butcher Blink, Whirling Blades, which doesn't work with Pudge Butcher, but um, (laughs) um, it's got, you know, that that, that same sort of dynamic (laughs) of mana to power. So it's got lower to the ground than some other Avatar of Earth decks that I have been playing or seeing. So we got Boss Control, Autumn Unicorn, Pudge Butcher, Royal Bodyguard, and then a card that I am very interested in testing for my minion slot, Men of Lang. Men of Lang and Grapple Shot is so much fun. <laughs> it is like just, if there are Men of Lang in your face on turn two, which can happen, it is just the most annoying thing on the planet. Luckily, you know, when we played that together, my dear friend Bronte had a humble village and had a foot soldier so. Anyway, (laughs) you got to get him out. You can't let him get up in your face. I'm actually pretty excited for where this list is going to end up. Other than that, for this season, I have something that I love so much. In a similar sort of like synergistic and fun uh, strategy, it is uh, what I like to call spider burn, which is root spider. We're maxing out on root spiders. We're maxing out hillock basilisks which is a lizard that does a very similar thing to Root Spider. Stone Gaze Gorgons, very similar to Root Spider and Disabling. And then from there, my minion count is super low and I have a lot of burn. I have a lot of removal and I'm playing Craterize Orb of Balith Berith, and I'm trying to do the thing. It's different than trying to get Plague Frog and Occult Ritual into Orb plus Craterize, but I have actually really liked it in testing <laughs> like it it feels really fun to play. Um it's something I'm really proud of kind of bro- I've seen some other I've seen other lists that are like maxing out on root spider and like the disable minions. Um I'm not claiming that I came up with this archetype but like I am very excited to have this list put together going into season 4 and I feel like I've tuned it enough that it's somewhat ready. I'm I'm excited for that list and then the only other thing I might end up playing in season 4 is something with uh, giant shark, but I don't know. <laughs> I, oh, shark. Shark is just one of those guys. We were, we were testing something with like Wave Shaper and shark and Pudge Butcher and like Grapple and that sort of like really movement based and movement, you know, really gumming it up with floods and making it messy for your opponent to sort of get around and do things without either being like bitten by a shark or in the way of a Pudge attack. So I don't know. Um, I'll see where it lands. I'll probably end up playing some games of season four with it, but I'm very excited for both the avatar of earth builds and the root spider burn, um, which is an elementalist avatar. Going by back the way. to elementalist. I th- I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm oscillating between elementalist and avatar of earth. Probably going to be avatar of earth, but I was looking at the elementalist list. and I was like, Oh, I love elementalist. That's like a, a pet card. So that's where I'm at. Um, for season four, um, we are going to include all of the deck lists. They will become public. They will be on Curiosa, where you can follow our podcast Curiosa account. The deck lists will also... They'll be linked in the substack, which is deathstoresorcerypod.substack.com. And that about wraps it up for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Really have enjoyed the community and reaction to episode one. We're just like very excited to be here and talk about the upcoming things for season four so absurdly excited i'm
0: I'm looking forward to all of this and I think John let's do it now we mentioned an announcement let's let's make it let's announce that let's announce it We are happy to let you all know, and some of you may have seen this already, we are going to be sponsoring the Season 4 Sorcery League with a uh, donation of a set of each of the beta cores. So we've got an Aquamarine core, an Amethyst core, a Ruby core, and an Onyx core up for grabs. And they are going to be um, won essentially by playing us throughout the course of the league. So you'll be able to schedule games directly with us in the Sorcery League Discord, and then if you win a match against us, you get two points into a lottery system. If you lose the match, you get one point, and at the end of the season, once we have played everybody, we will do a drawing to see who wins a core, and so there will be four winners... One for each, and it's going to be a good time.
1: It's going to be great. We're super excited to sponsor, be one of the people sponsoring, and getting season four all together. Um, huge shout out to people like Ira. Big shout out for your deck; it's awesome. <laughs> How many times
0: have we said the word Ira today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ira count is huge; it's through the roof. But huge shout out for you know all the organizing to make season four happen and being super receptive to the podcast folks just it's been awesome we are so excited um so all of that will be in the sub stack we are excited for season four to start i'm gonna ask you a question here at the end my friend what avatar is going to take down season four
0: Ooh, season four what avatar is gonna take it down
1: let's get some little let's get some predictions like hit those sports book out let's make our bets well let's i mean go. i'm pretty sure what avatar sure. is gonna take down season Four.
0: I'm pretty sure my Earthfire Aggro is the best deck anyone's ever built, so probably Sorcerer. But <laughs> uh you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on Avatar of Earth.
1: Yep. That was gonna be my bet too. My money is on Avatar of Earth. I also could see Deathspeaker still doing its thing. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Would be very concerning. I would not be surprised. But please, please prove us wrong. Brew something up, crush it. We will see you all out there. If there are any decks that you're working on or anything like that, feel free to send it over to us at our email address, which is
0: deathstore sorcery at gmail.com
1: send us send us a uh, that you're working on or just whatever um if you are listening to this on spotify please leave a you know rating or review on apple music apple podcast whatever it is whatever you're listening to it on just you know, leave a review let us know what you think that is it for episode two thank you all so much for joining us we will see you out there
0: hey everyone thank you so much for listening to episode two this was a really fun conversation to have and we hope you can walk away with a little bit of insight into the current metagame and competitive sorcery of course that's all going to change in season four when the beta avatars become legal can't wait to see what you all are working with for that anyway we've got some really exciting episodes coming your way and there's so much to be looking forward to in the sorcery world right now thanks for coming on uh, this journey with us please if you like our show leave us a review on spotify or apple podcasts or wherever you like to listen to and rate your podcasts. Also tell your friends and your competitive enemies to come check us out. Both of these things really help us spread the word and keep sorcery thriving and growing. Thank you again so much. We'll see you soon for episode 3.